It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Here's Donald. Carry it out. Deep ball. Separation. Caught. Robbie Anderson. Goodbye. Touchdown, Jets. The whole NFL is watching. A fourth and ten. And here they come. Make this pass. It's intercepted by Mosley. Maybe on down the top. Bell breaks a tackle. Looking downfield, fires this one, and intercepted at the 34. Jamal Adams goes down on the ground and takes it away. He'll hit immediately. He got the handoff. You know and that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. Welcome to Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter, at PlayLikeAJet1. And I am joined to recap the Jets-Giants preseason opener at MetLife Stadium, a Giants home game. So if you're a Jets fan and you were wondering why there were so many more Giant fans there, that's the reason why. With the great beat reporter from NJ.com and New Jersey Advanced Media, Mr. Matt Stipulkowski. Matt, I'm sure you are thrilled that that game got delayed for an hour, so you were there an hour extra. Oh, yeah. Nothing like uh, making the drive home at 12.45 a.m. here now or whatever it is. Uh, because of that weather delay, but I guess that's life uh, at practice in the post that what the hell, this is why I don't cover baseball anymore. But, uh, you know, sure enough, the weather still followed us to MetLife tonight. Yeah, so what happened with that? It was just thunderstorms, and they decided to delay it for an hour while the thunderstorms passed over? Yeah, exactly. It was some pretty wild storms, too, some big lightning bolts and stuff overhead, and it was absolutely boring for a while there, so... Definitely the right call to get everyone inside, off the field, everything like that, just uh, for the sake of safety. It's funny because my friend Ed Valley, who's the owner of Empire Weather, texted me before this stuff really started happening with the storm and said, I should expect about an hour-long delay because of an impending thunderstorm. Sure enough, this is about 10 or 15 minutes before they stopped play, and then Bruce Beck came on television and said that they were going to resume play about an hour after they stopped it. So Ed is on the money, and this is why he is the man when it comes to weather. He's not the man when it comes to playing quarterback, though. That is Sam Darnold. He only played one drive, but, Matt, he sure made that drive count. Yeah, Darnold looked terrific tonight, uh, I guess aside from the first throw where he got a little risky and tried to squeeze one in there. and He, he kind of chuckled a little bit when he was asked about that after the game. Second, you know, he's like, uh first throw under Gase, and I nearly throw a, an interception. Probably could have been a pick six, just like the last time around, you know, a reference to his throw against the Lions last year in week one. So Sam was good-natured about that. Um, but, you know, he said he, he just thought he could have uh, squeezed that one in there to Quincy, uh, needed to throw it a little bit more outside toward the sideline. Obviously, that didn't happen. But he got away with it, uh, completed the next four passes, marched down the field pretty easily. Uh, nice, encouraging touchdown drive if you're a Jets fan. Uh, you know, just watching him walk, march 75 yards downfield and dice up that Giants defense pretty easy had to be, a, you know, a good feeling. I was saying the two things that really stuck out to me on this drive were, A, 
Darnold showing once again how lethal he can be when he gets out on the run because on that third down conversion, when he threw it to Herndon, he was able to make a perfect throw while on the run. And the other thing that really stood out to me was Jamison Crowder once again stepping up as the security blanket as he has done many times in training camp. Matt, what do you think? Is this a glimpse into what we can expect in the regular season as far as the Darnold-Crowder connection? Yeah, absolutely. Those guys seem to have a pretty good chemistry going through training camp so far. And uh, tonight was just another example of it. Uh, Darnold was talking a little bit after the game about kind of how that uh, check down that went for you know roughly 30 yards kind of developed. He was saying that Crowder kind of had the option to, to sit where he was or to move into that pocket of space and obviously made the right decision there. They were both on the same page and you know, he was looking for him to move over into that big gap. Crowder went over and, uh, you know, stuck his way into space. And sure enough, easy connection there. Uh, those two guys really had it going all summer long. And uh, I do believe, you know, he's going to be a big part of this offense moving forward. Just all those inside routes and short passes that Darnold uh, can use him as kind of a, a safety release valve. Um, so just another example of that tonight, a first look at it for most Jets fans. And watching Darnold not just buy time with his legs, but be able to throw such an accurate throw on the run, as we saw him do a bunch of times last year. And if you watch his USC tape, you'll see him do a ton of that when he was at USC. Boy, that is pretty to watch, and it just seems to be getting better and better and better. I think we're going to be seeing a lot of that in the regular season. And I know that Adam Gase has said already that he plans to do that by design, right? Yeah, some, uh, definitely some like designed rollouts and everything like that. But those throws are absolutely kind of the thing that makes Darnold so special at times. Just his ability to, I mean, he made that throw without his feet set and he's, you know, running all over the place. And, you know, he doesn't have to have his feet in the right direction. He doesn't have to step into the throw to get something on it. You know, he just improvises a little bit, finds her into downfield, flicks his wrist, and all of a sudden the ball is on a string 30 yards downfield. So. Uh, you know, it was a great mix and match for Darnold of kind of showing off that mobility and athleticism on that throw, but also making some smart checkdowns and taking the completions that were available to him. So uh, a pretty well-balanced drive, I would say, for uh, Sam Darnold to start things off. I don't think a lot of people truly appreciate how hard it is to throw accurate passes when your feet aren't set. Dan Arlovsky was on the show in the lead-up to the draft last year before the Jets ended up getting Darnold and talked about Sam Darnold and what he could do in that regard. And he said that there are so few quarterbacks that can make accurate throws without their feet set. And that was one thing about Darnold that was special, like you said, Matt, that he has the ability to do that. I believe his exact words to me were, Sam Darnold is what would happen if Tony Romo and Ben Roethlisberger made a baby together. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's uh, that's a pretty interesting way to put it. And Dano has a uh, a way with words. He got that from the great University of Connecticut. Uh, that's a shameless plug for my alma mater. So, uh, big fan of Dan Orlovsky. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress, and that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. 
They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. What's the latest on the injury to Brian Winters? Uh, Gates didn't really have too much to say about it after the game. Uh, just said that Winters is going to have to go for some tests. Um, more or less sounded like his, the announcement in the press box once Winters got hurt was that he had been ruled out for the game. But Gates kind of made it sound like part of that was just the fact that the starters were already coming out of the game anyway. So, you know, obviously he was going to be ruled out for the game because there was no plans for him to play beyond that. So uh, it's not entirely clear how serious or not serious this is, but uh, they are sending winters for tests, so we should find find out over the next couple of days here uh, a little bit more information once those tests come back. Matt, we have talked a lot about Chandler Canizero struggling at camp. It's been a daily struggle, it seems, and he missed two extra points in this game. My joke was if Mike Westhoff was still the special teams coach and he was on the sideline after Canizero missed that second extra point, I think he might have actually killed him with his bare hands. This has got to be it for Canizero, right? They've got to bring somebody in, like, tomorrow. Uh, yes and no. Uh, so Gase did kind of say that they're going to look at the film uh, on those kicks. He seemed to think that one of the one of the two missed PATs, maybe the, the hold or the snap was off. He was he just kept saying that they need to look at the whole execution of the kick and that you know the the whole process uh, needs to go a little bit more smoothly. So uh, we believe he was. It sounded like he was alluding to the holding situation. Um, so maybe they didn't think Lock Edwards. I believe it was Edwards on that first kick uh, as the holder. You know, maybe they didn't think he got it down so smoothly. But you know, obviously all of these missed kicks can't have been a result of bad holds. There's been plenty of just bad kicking from Cat and Zero along the way, too. And Gase didn't rule out bringing in some competition, at least. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Jets brought in a second kicker uh, to push Cat and Zero. Um, by the sounds of it right now, you know, I don't expect him to be out of a job tomorrow and he'd be handed a pink slip. Uh, I wouldn't rule it out, either. You know, he's been certainly bad enough to deserve it, but... Um, yeah, I mean, if you're the Jets, you at least have to start bringing someone in to give him a push because it has been brutal to this point. Um, but, hey, if you're a Jets fan, I guess maybe it takes all in the fact that he made the last extra point and he, he made a 34-yard field goal, too. I don't know. I, that's about all the silver lining I could give you on that one. If I were Ross Martin, I think I would make sure that I have my phone close by at all times at this point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who knows how many favors he's doing uh, himself with all the, the tweeting and everything. Uh, you know, sometimes it rubs people the wrong way when you publicly lobby for someone else's job. Um, so I don't know how the Jets front office feels about that. But, yeah, I would say uh, most unemployed co- uh, kickers right now should uh, 
certainly, you know, if they see a number they don't recognize, you still might want to answer the phone. Those kickers are unemployed right now. Perhaps one of them ends up coming into camp to compete with Chandler Catazero. But there are some defensive backs on that Jets second and third team that are probably going to be unemployed pretty quickly because they got destroyed tonight, especially by rookie Daniel Jones. This was not a good showing for the Jets cornerback depth. Yeah, brutal night for them for sure. And uh, I mean, the tough part is... I, I'm, I've thought about this a lot lately, doing some 53-man projections and everything. I mean, some of the, the depth guys are, are bad, and some probably not-so-good players are going to wind up making a roster at this point unless Joe Douglas pulls a rabbit out of his hat and goes finds a bunch of different corners on the market. Because, I mean, you look at the guys that are penciled in as like the fourth, fifth, and sixth corners on the Jets roster right now, and you don't like what you see, but then when you keep looking at the roster, you don't find anyone better. So, uh, yeah, tough night for Perry Nickerson. He got torched on that one touchdown, uh, the slant that went for 51 yards. Obviously not good. Kyron uh, Brown had one or two, you know, bad moments, a couple other guys. I mean, honestly, if you, if you pointed at the cornerback section of the Jets roster and just picked the guy out of random, we could probably go to the tape and find at least one or two plays that he blew. Uh, not a good night for the Jets' depth corners by any stretch. And, um, safety is not that much better either. I, I believe it was Santos Ramirez that was uh, in coverage on that Daniel Jones touchdown pass. I mean, he was kind of on his man, and it was just an unbelievable throw. So tough to blame him too much for that. But yeah, boy, that secondary really did get picked apart at times. I mean, it was uh, pretty ugly. It was you know the weakness that you expect the Jets to have got exposed tonight for sure. Doug Middleton didn't do himself any favors either. He's apparently been sort of in the doghouse because he's way behind Rontez Miles on that depth chart. Miles has been getting all the starter reps with Marcus May out. Middleton did not do well tonight. Yeah, uh, it has been Miles all summer long for sure. Rontez is filling in in that spot for May, like you said. And uh, yeah, not a good night for Doug Middleton. But uh, again, you could say that for just about every guy in the Jets secondary, save for the starters who were only out there for three plays and didn't really have a chance to get picked on. So um, who knows, maybe a week or two from now, you just start looking back and kind of throwing this game out the window if things improve. Or if not, you're sitting there wondering, holy crap, uh, the Jets need to really overhaul this position, which is certainly possible. Uh, There's not a whole lot of talent in the secondary on this uh, roster right now beyond the first couple guys. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. I want to go back to Perry Nickerson for a second because he was involved in one of the more bizarre plays of the game. There's a pass that was thrown that ended up being incomplete, but for some reason, when it first was thrown, the referees thought it was some sort of fumble, even though it went forward like 30 or 40 yards. Nickerson picked it up and ran in for what was ruled the touchdown on the field, but anybody who actually watched the play, not even on replay, but live, could see it was clearly an incomplete pass. Do you think the referees were doing that just to make sure that everybody was still actually paying attention to the game? 
I have no idea. That was bizarre. We were all like looking at each other in the press box, wondering what on earth was going on. I will admit, like I missed the first half of the play live. I saw Perry scooping it up off the ground and then running. So then I immediately looked at the monitors in the the press box, which are kind of a half a play behind live to, to catch it and see what I missed. And as soon as I saw the, uh, I can't remember who was playing quarterback at that point for the Giants, but it's, I mean, the second you saw the replay, you're like, what on earth? How did they get that so blatantly wrong? Anyone that has ever watched football a day in their life would have known that that was, a, you know, an incomplete pass. It was very obvious. No one fumbles the ball 30 yards downfield. I, I have absolutely no idea what happened there from the ref's point of view, but I mean, good on Perry Nickerson for playing the whistle and picking that ball up and seeing what he could make of it. That's something that Greg Williams has kind of been beaten into the Jets' heads all preseason long, all training camp long. Uh, he's had them scoop up every single loose ball and treat it like it's a fumble just in case. Um, so a good fundamental thing that Nickerson did there at least. Um, tough night in coverage for him, but hey, at least he got that one right. Can we talk a little bit about Adam Gase here, by the way? Smelling salts before the game? What in the heck is going on with this guy? <laughs> I I got nothing, man. I like that was I you expect that from a player, but I mean, I guess he was really fired up to read the call sheet. I, I have no <laughs> idea uh, why that was necessary. I I don't know. I you got me. Uh, I kind of joked around with him briefly, like for a couple seconds after his press conference about that um i don't know that he was aware at that point that it had kind of gone viral so uh maybe i'll take another shot and joke around with him about it again in a couple days when we see them at practice sunday but uh yeah that was certainly weird that was uh not what i expected to see at the start of the game on twitter even sam darnold made fun of it on instagram and we know how sam darnold is he doesn't like to really say anything that could even be remotely controversial on social media, and by social media, I mean Instagram, because he doesn't even have Twitter. So if Sam Darnold is taking a shot, I guess that shows how insane it was. But it also is a good sign because it shows that Darnold is comfortable enough that he knows he can goof around with Gase about that. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, I mean, if you're a Jets player, I guess you got to love the intensity of your coach, the fact that he's fired up for a preseason game like that. I mean, it's kind of cool. It's nutty for sure. No one's going to make any sort of argument against that but uh got to be kind of cool to see your coach that invested that uh you know fired up and ready to go so yeah darnold uh busting his chops a little publicly there and i have to imagine that behind closed doors uh gase is going to hear about that once or twice more as well gase sure was fired up for this one and took it very seriously to the point where late in the game he was challenging a pass interference. Was this just some sort of trial balloon to test out the new system, or was Gase trying to make sure that everybody got out of there at about 1 o'clock in the morning? <laughs> uh, yeah, based on the groans in the press box, you might have thought the latter. But, yeah, it, it was basically him testing out the system, kind of trying to navigate through it, figure out what will and won't be you know, reversed and uh, everything like that. So. Uh, definitely him just kind of feeling out the system, see how it goes kind of thing. Um, but yeah, uh, between that and some, you know, timeouts used before halftime and then a little later in the game too, uh, there was plenty of groans going around the stadium. I think just about him, uh, keeping everyone there for an extra couple minutes. But, uh, I guess, you know, when you think about it, it does make sense. The coaches want to get a handle on this system before the season starts. 
might as well do it now while the things, uh, you know, the plays don't count. So, uh, you know, smart enough by Gase to, to give it a shot and see what happens there. Sam Darnold looked about as good as you can look on that one drive that he had, and that's why you should really consider drafting him in your fantasy draft. And if you're going to be playing fantasy football this year, you want to make sure you do it with the draft app, draft.com. Why? Because their best ball championship grand prize is $3.5 million. That's right, $3.5 million. Now you know why I signed up and I'm getting ready to play this challenge because not only can you win $3.5 million, but you can do it without putting in a lot of effort. The beauty of it is it's season long with no management. You just draft your players in an easy snake draft and that's it. You don't have to worry about roster management, the waiver wire, trade proposals, any of that. You set your lineup and then you forget it. They'll make sure that your best players are in every week guaranteed. And for a limited time only, you can get a free entry into the best ball championship when you make your first deposit, but you've got to use the promo code I'm about to give you. It's play like P L A Y L I K E. Use that promo code. You get a free shot at the best ball championship. $3.5 million when you go to draft.com or search the word draft in the app store. And while you may be looking to draft Sam Darnold in your fantasy draft, I don't think you're going to be drafting any of the other quarterbacks on this team. Trevor Simeon was fine, and we'll get to him a little bit later. But, boy, Davis Webb was brutal. Andy Vasquez of NorthJersey.com had a great tweet about this. He said, Davis Webb is completing a lot of passes to the Giants, which would have been awesome a couple of years ago when he was on the Giants. Now, not quite so awesome for him. Yeah, that could have gotten a lot better for Davis Webb, for sure. Not a good night for him. Uh, I mean, the the first pick, the pick six, was, I, I guess, a little unlucky, you could say. I mean, it was not a good throw. It was ill-advised. It gets broken up with the line of scrimmage there. Um, so not excusing it by any stretch, but, I mean, it took a pretty impressive play to actually pick it off and return it as opposed to just it being a harmless incompletion. Um, so, you know, good on who I can't recall the name of the Giants depth DB that made that play, but good on him for, for making the play. But the second pick, definitely not Webb's best throw there or his best decision looking for Tim White down the field, pretty well covered. Um, so two picks and I believe only two actual completions for Davis Webb. That's not what you want, especially when you're going uh, for the revenge tour game against the Giants. So, uh, you know, he's in a battle for that third QB spot with Luke Falk, and he didn't do himself any favors tonight. I think if there was any doubt before that Trevor Simeon is more or less locked into the number two job, tonight would have done a lot to dispel that, not only because Webb played so poorly, but Simeon was pretty steady. Yeah, Simeon looked good. I mean, he didn't do anything spectacular. It was mostly pitch and catch. But, uh, you know, 13 of 16, I believe it was. Tough to argue with that. He didn't do anything silly. He didn't turn the ball over. Um, basically what you would ask of a backup quarterback, come in, manage the game, uh, do all the little things good enough. So, uh, yeah, good on Simeon for uh, kind of cementing that. I don't think it was ever really – uh, a true competition, but yeah, if there was any hint of a question, he certainly would uh, seem to have put it to bed tonight. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint 
unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Greg Dorch had a really nice game. He had a nice punt return and then also had a touchdown at the very end of the game. Talk about his performance and what you saw from the rest of the 2019 rookies tonight. Yeah, so Dorch, uh, great return, 32-yard return, uh, showing some shiftiness and some nice vision there to, to just find a seam and you know, get down that right sideline, uh, improve the field position. He looked steady catching a couple of the other punts as well. Uh, you know, Didn't fumble or anything like that. Um, so certainly an upgrade over, uh, last year when the Jets were trying out a rookie returner and Trenton Cannon just kept butterfingering it all over the place. Um, and yeah, like you said, the late touchdown, uh, Gase did say in his press conference afterward that he thinks there's one or two things that they need to clean up with Dorch, uh, in the passing game. But, uh, yeah, you know, he looked decent enough in that area. If he can kind of chip in in that regard while also holding down the punt return gig, that's about all you can ask for an undrafted rookie who you got for basically nothing. Um, so, you know, good on him. Quiet night for Quentin Williams. He played, I believe it was the first two series, more or less, uh, and just uh, got in on one tackle. Uh, Ja'Kai Polite, I think it was two tackles. Same thing. Uh, you know, he came in with the threes and, uh, you know, pretty quiet evening for him. Blake Cashman was out there a lot, especially, you know, in the first half there and was uh, in coverage a bunch and flying around, Um, you know, didn't do anything spectacular, but didn't do anything to really kill himself either. So uh, fine enough night. Uh, And then uh, Chuma Adoga, um, you know, I wasn't completely staring him down when he was playing tackle, but I didn't notice any glaring errors either. So, uh, you know, that's going to be one of those things that you watch the game back and kind of see how he did a little bit uh, more in depth. But uh, at least, you know, nothing jumped off the page in a bad way. So that's always a good sign. If you're an offensive lineman and people aren't noticing you all the time, that's generally a, uh, a good sign for sure. Frankie Luvu making a statement tonight for us in a fumble. Yeah, Luvu... Uh, that kid has a high motor, man. He last year was flying around to the ball a lot too, uh, kind of making the most of the reps whenever he could get in there. Um, you know, sometimes maybe his desire to kind of get out there and make a play leads to some uh, lack of discipline and everything like that. Not in a penalty regard, but just kind of, you know, missing plays because he overcommits or anything like that. But, um, yeah, forced fumble. He did a nice job. Cashman had uh, the giant guy wrapped up there. Luvu comes in from behind, pokes the ball out. Forgive me, can't remember who it was for the Giants that had the ball at that point. But, uh, you know, nice play by Luvu. Heads up play to come in there and, and rip that ball out. And, uh, yeah, he was buzzing. And he's uh, gotten some decent rep share for the Jets. He's uh, seen, you know, a handful of starter snaps throughout practices, mostly with the second team, and that was the case again tonight, working with the second team, and uh, he took advantage. As far as the running back depth goes, we saw a little bit from Ty Montgomery with the first team, and then after that, we saw McGuire touchdown and Trenton Cannon running into walls, although he did do a good job on special teams. It sure seems to me at this point that Montgomery is more or less locked in as the number two guy behind Le'Veon Bell, 
McGuire seems to be a safer bet than Cannon to stick as a running back. And it appears to me that if Cannon's going to stick at all, it's going to have to be on special teams because as a running back, he's brutal. He's got straight line speed, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, he certainly hasn't provided much in the actual running game. Um, though, I guess to be fair to him, none of the Jets running backs exactly lit it up tonight. I think their most efficient runner was Trevor Simeon. So, uh, you know, when your quarterback is your best runner for the night, not exactly the best of signs. But, um, yeah, Trenton Cannon, not a great night in the running game. But like you said, uh, he did have that nice special teams tackle. Uh, he handled some kick returns, though I – I uh, don't think he actually really ever got the chance to do anything. The one time he got to, you know, return the ball, there was a flag on the play that negated it. Looked like it was going to be a, a pretty nice hole, uh, pretty nice return as well, but uh, who knows, you know, how much the penalty had to do with that. That's certainly part of it. So, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. If he's going to make this team, it's going to be in large part because of what he's able to contribute on the third side of the ball there. It's not going to be because he's lighting it up in the backfield. Uh, and for sure, Montgomery is the number two running back at this point. There's no question about that. And honestly, I mean, I can see the Jets using him with Le'Veon Bell on the field a decent amount as well. They really like what Montgomery can do. Uh, they like his versatility. He can run the ball. He can catch the ball. He can split out and play some wide receiver as well. Um, so, yeah, Montgomery, absolutely the second guy there behind Bell. Just a matter of, you know, how many running backs the Jets keep. Uh, you know, what kind of personnel they need and want there. Um, but yeah, uh, like I said, none of them really lit it up particularly uh, tonight. But Cannon especially uh, did not look pretty doing it. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Matt, before we get to quotes from the locker room, last order of business, I know that he's a giant, not a jet, and I did touch on this a little bit before. But Daniel Jones looked pretty good. Don't get me wrong. He was up against second-string defensive backs. And we're talking about a preseason game. But he looked poised back there. I will say, though, Carl Banks' line about people that really know football know that Daniel Jones is the real deal. And everybody else that was skeptical never saw him play. Listen, obviously, there are plenty of people that never saw Daniel Jones play that were dumping on the pick. But... The problem is there were a ton of people who watched a lot of him and they were also dumping on the pick. So let's not just say this was exclusive territory of people that never watched Jones and didn't know what he was talking about. I don't know for sure whether or not he's going to be good, but at the very least, he looked comfortable back there tonight. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, one thing I'll give him, Sam Darnold was impressed. I, I asked Sam in his post-game preference, uh, press conference what he made of uh jones's appearance in the game and you know he said he was impressed he uh you know liked the way that jones responded after some successful plays donald said that you know it, it can be just as challenging if not more so sometimes after uh, a good play after some big plays to to respond to that and keep it going as opposed to you know gathering yourself after some adversity and uh he really liked the way jones settled in back there and was impressed by it and I think anyone that watched was, you know, pretty impressed for uh, a rookie who, uh, you know, mixed, re- mixed things have been said about him over the last few months, but for him to step in and lead a drive so comfortably like that and to make some impressive impressive throws as well. I mean, that ball on the touchdown pass in the corner of the end zone couldn't have been placed any more perfectly. So uh, good for Daniel Jones. Uh, you know, at the very least, he will always have this debut that he'll never forget. 
Since you brought up Sam Darnold being impressed with Daniel Jones, and it was something that he said after the game in the locker room, let's talk about what was said in the locker room. Sam Darnold spoke, so did Quinn and Williams, so did Coach Adam Gase. What did they have to say? Yeah, so Sam, uh, like I said, touched on that about Daniel Jones. He also talked a little bit about uh, Jamison Crowder and Ty Montgomery and just kind of the fact that what you saw out of them on that first drive is basically the, the role that he envisions for them on this team going forward. But those are the things that he thinks he, they can contribute uh, moving forward. And then uh, also he just touched on uh, his communications with Adam Gase and said that everything went smoothly, uh, you know, putting on the, the headset for Gase and uh, them communicating in a real game situation felt just like practice. They said, you know, no hiccups or anything on that front. So that is obviously good. Uh, Quinn and Williams, uh, I was not there for that, but I, I did get kind of a, a look at what he had to say. And he, uh, you know, just talked briefly about how exciting it was for him to get out there, uh, you know, in a Jets jersey, run around a little bit and, uh, you know, just excited to be there. Um, but, you know, downplayed it a little bit as well, saying he wasn't overwhelmed by the moment. And once he got out there, it, it was just football. Uh, and then for Gase's part, uh, like I mentioned, talked a bit about the communications with Darnold. Uh, you know, said that the biggest positives by a lot for him were just how the starters performed um, on both sides of the ball. Obviously, the offense putting together that touchdown drive and the defense, you know, putting together a three and out, obviously encouraging. Uh, and then just, you know, he was peppered with, you know, oddly enough, you don't expect to get a lot of questions about the kicker after the first preseason game, but yeah, a few of those, obviously, because of all the cat and zero thing. And like I said earlier, he didn't rule out bringing in some competition, um, but did say that the Jets kind of have to look at that holistically. Um, so, yeah, I, it was a, kind of a light night in the uh, press conference room afterward. I think people were uh, itchy to get out of there a little bit. And also, it is the first preseason game, so no one wants to read too deep into any one particular thing. But, uh, you know, that's a little taste of what the uh, Jets had to say after the game. He does a great job covering the Jets beat over at NJ.com. Mr. Matt Stipulkowski. Matt, thanks so much for recording this post-game report with me on your ride home here in the middle of the night. What a crazy night it ended up being with that long delay, but I'm glad that we were able to see some positive things out of the Jets. We also obviously saw some things that they really need to work on. These are things that you observed and wrote all about. It's up right now over at NJ.com. For those that want to check it out, why don't you go ahead and let them know what's in store for them when they visit the website. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, head over to NJ.com slash Jets. Uh, got some you know observations and takeaways from the game up right at the gun there at the end. So those are already up. We've got some more things coming out on uh, Friday morning, little updated 53-man projections, a look at, you know, uh, who helped and hurt their cause. Uh, and we'll have some more stuff off the game throughout the weekend. Uh, and then once the Jets get back, back to practice on Sunday and start preparing for that game in Atlanta next Thursday, uh, obviously we'll have stuff off of uh, the practices all next week as well. So uh, like I said, NJ.com slash Jets. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's M underscore Stipulkowski. That's S-T-Y-P-U-L-K-O-S-K-I. Appreciate you all following along and reading uh, as we kind of kick things into high gear this summer. Go ahead and follow Matt on Twitter at M underscore Stipulkowski. As he said, it's S-T-Y-P-U-L-K-O-S-K-I. 
Make sure you're reading his great work over at NJ.com. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.